You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker, and I am a comedian and variety entertainer who's performed at the Moisture Festival for many, many years. And I'm Louis Fox. I'm a magician and do some uh, stupid jokes, and I performed at the Moisture Festival for a long time as well. The Moisture Festival, in case you don't know, is a four-week festival that celebrates the celebrates the variety arts in Seattle. It is the largest festival of its kind in the world and features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April. And if you're listening to this during the festival, be sure to buy tickets now because 95% of the shows sell out and you can get tickets to all the shows by visiting the website moisturefestival.org. The festival is dedicated to keeping the ticket prices to shows affordable, and they do so by relying on individual donations. If you're interested in donating financially or by volunteering, please visit moisturefestival.org and click on the contribute link. And there's tons of helpful information there on how you can help make the festival even more amazing. Absolutely. In today's episode, we welcome in aerial extraordinaire Amy Funbuttons. We learn about Amy's journey through aerial. We learn about what the rope is, what multi-cord is, and bottle walking and anything you can probably think of we learn about. We also get into some true crime. That we might even have cracked the case of a unsolved mystery on this podcast with Amy. It is awesome. You're going to love it. Let's get to the interview. Today's guest is a multidisciplinary circus performer specializing in aerial rope. Her expertise spans multiple styles of aerial arts, but also other variety arts like bottle walking, juggling, and modern tap dance. We welcome in Amy Funbuttons. All right, first question. How'd you get the cool name? Is that Spanish or something? Funbuttons. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just picked, uh, picked a stage name about five or six years ago or something when I was starting to perform my last name was Matthews at the time and I was getting married so I changed my name anyway so I adopted a stage name and then uh you know just kept it I would have made your partner take fun buttons also that would have been (laughs) yeah well um it's it's probably for the best that he didn't because he didn't stick around (laughs) oh there you go <laughs> Your time, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> so, tell the people exactly like what you do and uh, you know what your art form is. Okay, so I'm a performance artist. I uh, specialize in aerial. I'm an aerialist. I train mostly aerial rope, which is um, also called cordelie or rope, I guess. And then um, it's uh, just a tall rope that hangs from a single point on the ceiling and there's lots of like dynamic and strength based tricks you can do using it it's a little different than the other aerial apparatus in that yeah it's just a little more dynamic and strength based is it more difficult yeah it can be Uh uh-huh is this like yeah. what we did as a kid in gym class where i mean you're doing more than, <laughs> than just going up to ring the bell in I the think. military <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's it's the same idea. Yeah, okay. it's just a rope that hangs from the ceiling or, you know, some other point above us. I saw pictures on your Instagram. There's one one rope. There's one of a bunch of little ropes. Right. Is that the same yeah. thing? No, that's different. So I, um, so I said I specialize in aerial rope, but I perform on all sorts of apparatus. Basically, I'll perform on anything anybody books me for. So what you're talking about is called multi-cord. Um, that's the broad name for an apparatus that's a bunch of like ropes or strings hanging from usually one point. I call mine silly string because it's it's dyed with UV reactive colors. And so if you if somebody books me and they have the ability to have a um, UV reactive or UV light, then it looks like all glow in the dark and cool. Um, I have another friend who refers to her multi-cord as death spaghetti. <laughs> and there's another um, person who just, I, I think. I like that. Even just as a name Beatles. of an act. Yeah. <laughs> like, hire death spaghetti. I would that go, amazing. I, I would pay a $10 cover to see that band. Death spaghetti, yeah. <laughs> the punk rock band. Yeah. Shout out to Jessica Perry. <laughs> <laughs> so I read that you were an athlete as a kid. Is that how you came into doing aerial is sort of searching out other sort of physical activities that are not traditional sports or? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I was an athlete or I mean, I've always been athletic. I started by doing like soccer and like sports as a kid I played basketball in high school until I was kicked off the team for having purple hair. Ooh. What? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't technically kicked off the team, but I was demoted from the varsity team to the JV team because I missed a practice because they sent me home to change my hair color. Um, what? And so, yeah. So then I was like, well, that's a dumb reason. I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> so what what era is this? Like what like like I was in high school in like the 90s and that's when I think a lot of that stuff was going down. Um this would have been in the early early 2000s. Okay, so not So that... I went to high school from 2000 to 2004. Huh, that surprises me kind of that late. Was it like a Catholic school or something? Who's not allowing you to have purple hair? This seems a little silly. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you got you played basketball you got kicked off the team yeah so um so around the time that i started aerial i was cycling a lot i was riding bikes yeah i like to ride bikes real fast i rode my bikes so fast from bar to bar or <laughs> yeah boys house to boys house <laughs> yeah and then i was uh bar bartending at the time at, in my early 20s or all through my 20s I was bartending and I bartended for a show called Circus Contraption you mm -hmm. might have been familiar yep um a local Seattle outfit that put on so many wonderful shows and um they had two aerialists in that show and I was just I was mesmerized I thought it was so cool and I started taking lessons and the rest is history I guess <laughs> So that was kind of the beginning of like the aerial boom in Seattle. If that was circus contraption. Yeah. Uh huh. I think at that point there was Senka around, and I began at Versatile Arts when they had only been around for a year or two in the Greenwood space. Do you remember the acts in the aerial act in circus contraption that you were like, that is it? That's what I want to be doing. What What was the uh, particular trapeze or 
uh, aerial act that they were doing. Um, so Laura Paxton was doing a mermaid act on an anchor, and she also had a rope um, act that was really saucy. And then there was Carrie, who did a cloud swing act. Carrie, yeah, Carrie Hunter, right? And yeah, what, Carrie Hunter what did. Is, what is the um, cloud? What is the cloud swing? Cloud swing is. It's the same material as a rope and it's hung from two points. So it kind of drapes in the middle mm -hmm. and it can swing back and forth from those two points, like a, like a swing, for instance, mm -hmm. um, like just your regular swing set swing. Um, or you can just kind of manipulate it by twisting it around your body and wrapping yourself up in it. Okay. So you said you, you'll hang from anything that you're hired to do. What's the weirdest thing that you've done aerial off of? Oh, um, the weirdest thing? Well, I have a favorite actually of all the things that I've seen that the spaceship that you, you have, a, you have an ah. alien spaceship. That was my favorite. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, right. I created that flying saucer sculpture. Actually, that was the second one of two. And my partner, he was instrumental in creating that second one because the first one wasn't quite, wasn't very good. And the second one survived and and is still, it's in my basement as we speak, waiting for nicer weather. But that one, yeah, we took the Flying Saucer up to Canada to perform at the Luna Arts Fest this last September. And so it's a flying saucer that sits atop the aerial rig, which is a tripod. And then from that center point, we hung this neon green fabric to kind of resemble the tractor beam. And then I was the alien or the extraterrestrial, what have you, um, interacting with the earth, the, you know, the people, the, the crowd. Yeah. Anybody that was silly enough to stop and interact back with me let's say this festival calls you or an event calls you are you like yo i got this alien rig I, i'm an you know i'm an extra trust you sell them on like an idea or do they come to you and be like hey we're looking for a cowgirl trapeze show like what is where's the how do you decide what to market to the person who's calling or have that conversation well yeah i guess it's a little bit of both i guess what i can say about when when you ha when I have an idea and um, it's pretty like it'll kind of like take over my brain and it's like kind of all I can think about is this like flying saucer thing and it's all I want to do and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I'm just like talking about the flying saucer all the time and like telling everybody about the flying saucer and then in my in my work as a as a full-time performer, I am constantly applying for things. So mm. I will, to a certain extent, sometimes apply with acts that seem like they'll suit to the client or the festival or the, you know, what have you that that's booking. And then other times I will just be like, flying saucer. You guys want this flying saucer. I know you need this flying saucer. It's amazing. Know, you need an alien abduction. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes they're like, tell me more. And then other times they're like, tell me no, less. Thank you. <laughs> tell me less. Can't you just wear something sparkly and spin around? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I guess, but an alien would be way cooler. Yeah. But then, you know, I'll wear the sparkly thing and spin around and then like, you know, go home that night and then wake up in the morning, think more about the flying saucer. <laughs> now, when you come up with well, an idea for that, like, what's the process? You go, 
flying saucer or do you go like to start with you like maybe i'm an alien like how i don't know it's usually just like a nugget <laughs> like a nugget that like kind of sometimes it takes a little while to i don't know i think okay let me put it this way on any regular day i'll have like let's just say a number like 15 ideas and like maybe five of them are really really dumb and i just forget about them instantly and then maybe like two of them i'll think about for the rest of the day and then maybe the next day i'll think about those two ideas again in the midst of having like a whole bunch more stupid ideas and then like for the third day maybe i'll still be thinking about that you know flying saucer <laughs> and so yeah so sometimes if those ideas kind of like stick around and and are there for you know a couple of days like okay there's really something here like i really need to make this happen or i really need to like see this idea through to fruition and then sometimes an idea will just kind of pop up that's just like gum wall i am the gum wall the people put the gum on me and chewing up the gum and how will this work and it's just like okay i can't figure that out yet and it kind of goes back in the like in the back of the idea folder in my brain but it's not the worst idea i've ever had it's just no. not quite as quick well, as i was gonna say that easy, sounds crazy yeah or easy to describe as the flying saucer so it's gonna take a little bit longer everyone's familiar with alien abduction not everyone is familiar with the, the gum, gum wall of seattle <laughs> Well, not yet. I mean, they will be soon because this idea is... It's huge. Is it's going to be huge in Wisconsin. You can bring it out there. You know, Louie and I are both writers. And so our process is we oftentimes will even just write down the bad ideas. And then sometimes I'll go back through my notebooks and I'm like, that is cr that's a great idea. You know, at the time I, I'm very dismissive. And then later I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see how that was uh, sort of the beginning of a decent idea. And, you know, I, I actually enjoyed going back through my notebooks, sort of a reflection on the bad ideas I had at the time, but also like gives me content to sort of build upon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do you have a big, do you yeah, write down um, your ideas? Do you have like a big file of them? I have like a kind of a, a list of priorities basically, mm -hmm. because when I'm working and creating a lot there's usually about like five different things in process so sometimes i'll have to prioritize what i'm working on based on like when it's due to be performed or when i want to start making a like promotion for it or or what supplies i have or need you know mm -hmm. i do write them down but um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know so one of the cool skills i saw on your website was you are an auctioneer <laughs> what really <laughs> huh well actually i i haven't practiced that in a little while that was one of those things that or it is one of those things that i am very i'm interested in and i will definitely pursue more as i get a little bit less physical i'm i'm pretty sure that that's kind of where when that will take up a little more space in my brain because while i love the idea of 
Amy Fun Buttons, the auctioneer. I just kind of haven't, I've put that one on the back burner, but I did, um, I did practice for a while. Um, I had a couple of bookings that fell through right around that time that, you know, we were beginning to book events or, you know, like 2021 and then like everything would get canceled or like postponed or like indefinitely postponed, like, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a little frustrating and sort of took the wind out of my sails at that point. Um, and I just kind of haven't really because it does take a lot of practice. You have to like. OK, hold on, hold on. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to hold up an object. You auction it off. <laughs> no, I'm not playing that game with you. <laughs> I don't want to hear what it sounds like. There's really only one bidder in the room. <laughs> no. <laughs> So maybe it, next time. Ah. So did you go to auctioneer school? I I did. I went to um I went to auctioneer school in Montana and good place to do it. Yeah. Uh huh. Were you doing like livestock <laughs> or like what's the like what's the final test for an auctioneer school? Yeah, the final test is that you um you do auction off uh like three everybody brings to the final auction um it's a charity auction for um a children's children's organization um everybody brings three items and you auction them off to like your friends and family that come to you know see you show off your skills and yes to answer your question there were quite a lot of livestock auctioneers there there's kind of like two two schools or two directions um like the charity auctioneers and the like the livestock farm equipment like or they call it the ag, the ag business or, you know, ag trade or whatever. So, and those people, they didn't really, I think, know what to make of me at first. So I was like, I'm an aerialist and do, What do, did you do. auction off? Oh, I don't know. I think it was like some, I don't, I don't remember. It was something that I like got at the store, like bright pink duct tape or, um, yeah, I don't really remember. <laughs> Yo-yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like you walked into a room with like, rodeo clowns and circus clowns and you're like the birthday clown like hey what's up everybody <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> yeah. No, i think i think that's smart you know you maximize you maximize you know your uh, ability to be physical while while you can and then you develop skills that you can sort of utilize later in life and keep as long as you can keep them sharp it's good to have a backup plan especially i, I would imagine aerial is it sort of, is there a lifespan for aerialists? Is there, I mean, not like a whole, like a, but like a career span? Yeah. Um, it, and it's super individual to the person, but it's kind of like, well, for me, like I keep acquiring skills and I keep getting stronger and I keep what I consider, um, I keep on the path towards mastering my craft. And at a certain point, some people get injured and so they're forced to quit or some people have life changes that you know force them to uh, reevaluate their time spent doing a certain activity and some people like transition to coaching and some people some people just decide that they're done working that hard <laughs> yeah because uh, it is an awful lot of physical work I spend a good amount of time just swinging myself around at the top of a rope and Maybe one day I won't want to. What is yeah. what does an average practice day look like for you? Like how many, what portion of your day is like practice or maintaining skills? Well, I train at this point, I train five days a week and it's usually 
between two and a half to three and a half hours. And I do that in the morning because not necessarily because my body feels better in the morning, but if I wait until the afternoon, then there's going to be too many, too many things to do, too many excuses. I'll be hungry or I'll be tired or somebody will have said something that makes me just not want to train. (laughs) So so what is that? What does that like two and a half hours look like? Are you, is it general, like just conditioning or is it like actual, like I'm running an act sort of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. So it kind of depends and every day is different because I structure it that way. I spend about a half an hour on the ground getting warm um, and then we'll sometimes uh, work in some handstands or juggling with that warm up. And then I'll do, if it's a rope day, I'll do my climbs. So I'll like climb to the top of the room, which is about 30 feet high, four times. And then I'll do like four sets of beats, which is, like I said before, swinging yourself about. (laughs) But it's um, kind of like working your dynamic pathways. And then I'll do uh, some drills, which is strength-based exercises to kind of like work on technique. And then after that, I'll mess around. (laughs) So either that's like making some new choreography or working with a shape that I like or whatever the person next to me is working on. Sometimes we'll just kind of like riff off of each other. Sometimes I'll just like shoot a video for Instagram just for fun. And sometimes like I'll just noodle around. Well, I think that's an important then, thing in practice is the play. Yeah. And then on other days I have, um, like on Wednesdays, I have a straps class or a, a lesson where um, I have, I pay somebody to tell me what to do. And it is totally worth the time and money because it makes me so much stronger and I don't have to think about it. And that's my coach, Denea. She just like cracks the whip and I get it done. And it's so much easier than my self-guided training sometimes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's see what else. Oh, I also have a, so on Thursdays I do an hour of duo trapeze and then we try to do another hour in the week, but it kind of floats around. So me and my partner, Andreas, we uh, have a duo trapeze practice that we do on Thursdays. And, and that's he just, static trapeze or the swinging kind? Yeah, it's the static trapeze. Mm-hmm. Okay. And That's the official name, Louie, the swinging kind. The swinging kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the Disco Bells? Is that the your partner for that? No, uh, Disco Bells is a project between me and uh, my friend Lindsay. And so we will, we're just a aerial duo. Um, we do a sling and hoop, and then we've even done, and some doubles on fabric and lira and we just match and look sparkly and get hired to like enliven your party environment usually did i see that the back to the ufo one was that done as a duo too i think i saw a picture of of two aliens no i don't think so two aliens Hmm. i wonder what that picture was because i I don't think it's ever i may have been drinking and seeing double too We're, we're alien enthusiasts, so, you know, <laughs> we add aliens to everything. Tell me more. <laughs> when you get hired, like, so you said the disco bells, 
are sort of like hype people sort of get people excited is that i saw also oh, yeah that, that you do aerial bartending is that something you do uh at those in those situations which is like are you like pouring shots in people's mouths what like what is what's going on are you like mixing martinis up there or okay well we wouldn't be pouring shots in people's mouths because that's illegal okay <laughs> in is washington it? you have to pour into a container you have to be mass oh, really? certified to uh handle alcohol in washington so there's that um but yeah so for instance um just a few weeks ago for new year's we were performing at a bar in kirkland called lime and we did our sets of just you know ambient entertainment you know entertaining the guests while they're you know just drinking and having a good time reveling and then uh, about 10 minutes before you know the ball dropped at midnight we got up in the air and we poured champagne upside down into champagne flutes and handed those out to the guests so it's really just kind of like a party trick. It's definitely not an efficient way of pouring hundreds of glasses of champagne. Oh, it's cool. But it's but it's really visually appealing. People really like it, and it's yeah, it's pretty impressive. The first time anybody that, how, sees how, anybody how, pour something into another thing upside down. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Do you have to practice that ahead of time. That's or? what I'm saying. Because I think I, my muscle memory would take over, and I'd be an idiot. Yeah, that seems like counterintuitive. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, you'll have to hire me and see. Only if it's as an alien, though. Yeah. I just did a giant event where they had like eight of those upside down cocktail station or champagne stations, and it was I was like, yeah. Well, and you can also you can pour really anything. You can pour shots. You could pour champagne. You could pour beer. I suppose like a pre-made cocktail, I think, would be ideal rather than like mixing things but that could be done as well no yeah did you, pop, did you pop the bottom the the top of champagne upside down too you know i've never because we get the bottles somebody opens the bottle and hands it to us gotcha. because um oftentimes it's like cold and there's condensation on it so this is a whole thing so somebody <laughs> like will make sure the bottle is not like super slippery hand it to me. I do my thing, pour the champagne and pass it out, pour and pass it out, you know, say cheers, look cute, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll hand them back the empty bottle and then they're ready with a new one. I'll uncorked and wipe down and then I do it some more. Do you have to go, do you get certified? Like, did you have to go to Montana and do this also? <laughs> no, I don't think I've never performed aerial or um, upside down bartended in Montana. I don't know what their uh, what their certification system is. I doubt they have any certification for that in Montana. <laughs> right. Do you have hands to pour that? <laughs> Meh, go for it. So right. from the time that you were Saw Circus Contraption and then to now being a professional aerial entertainer, what was that journey like? How What was that time frame like? What was the sort of vision as you were going through it all did you go in saying i want to be a professional or did that did you fall into being a professional what just tell me like that time period and like sort of what was happening with you and what you were thinking and all during that so when i first started ariel uh like i said before i was a cyclist so i i thought that i was strong and i thought that i was fit and I found out right away that I was not. Mm. <laughs> um, I had like hardly any core strength and hardly any upper body strength, hardly any backline. Like 
<laughs> I just, um, I just was weak in all sorts of ways, but, um, I started taking a class like once a week, you know, you can do an intro session. And then I started taking lessons with a coach, Jen Breer, who's was a Seattle aerial staple for a long time. And I took, you know, a weekly lesson with her for forever. And that went on, it went on like that for years, um, where I just kind of would show up once a week because it was my like interesting exercise and I got better um, and I got stronger, but like, you know, about as much as you'd expect from doing something once a week. So years and years and years went by and I was like kind of a mediocre aerialist. And then I kind of got a taste for performing because there's student shows and, you know, little like circus open mics and stuff where you could go and, and perform. And I, and I decided that I liked it, but I, I knew at that point that I wasn't really like, you know, I wasn't very good. And, and luckily I knew that <laughs> the feedback yeah. I got a lot during that time was you sure look like you're having fun up there. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's 90% of the game. Yeah, which, is is what you, which is what you say to somebody when you're like, oh, good for you. Oh, no, I get the, that was an artistic program. It's like, yeah, I get the, we enjoyed your little sketch, your little skit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> little skits. So you're still trying to be a little aerialist? <laughs> you're still doing this right yeah and so there were there were several years of that too and and during that time you know I was I was also just focused on other things I I had a regular like I had a job and um you know I was married and I had you know a cats and a dog and social life and you know riding bikes and stuff like that so so it didn't seem like uh like I was you know not not applying myself, you know, at a certain point, I was kind of like, well, if I want to keep doing aerial, like I might as well just, you know, let's see what happens if I just kind of throw myself at it and, you know, actually apply myself. And what do you know, I started to get better and <laughs> I started to get stronger and that was really exciting. There's still plateaus, but they're, you know, the successes are really encouraging. And in like, I think it was 2019 or, oh no, let's back up a little bit. Yeah, no, maybe it was like 2019, maybe it was 2018. Sometime in there, I um, I decided that I wanted to get better at performing and I started actively seeking out uh, performance opportunities. And for an amateur person that is, you know, looking for experience, there wasn't a whole lot uh, going on at the time, but I could um, per participate in shows that were happening at my aerial studio and the other aerial studios. And there was a, a monthly showcase happening at Shadowland at the time um, that Bruce and Simone were curating. And so I just kind of started being annoying to people that were, you know, booking things like that. I was just like, hey, can I, can I be a part of this? Can I be a part of this? And, and just by like, you know, sticking myself out there and getting that experience, like it worked. And I, I feel like I, got a lot of knowledge, like seeing what worked and what didn't work and what audiences responded to and what, you know, what made me feel good as a performer and what I liked watching as a performer too, because, you know, when you perform at an event like that, you're like five minutes in a hour, hour and a half long show. Yeah. So I got to watch a lot of Ariel too. You mentioned your cat a little bit ago. I saw a picture of you doing a bottle walk with the cat. Oh yeah. 
Well, that was my cat Danko. She's dead now, Aww. as some cats, you know, do. Because of the bottle walk or? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that my housemate had something to do with my what? cat dying, but what? there's there's no proof. And my cat was 19 years old, so I, I'm not sure that they're related. Housemate, time. <laughs> <laughs> We can unpack that. I feel like we should investigate this more further. I, mean, make a I can't prove that my housemate it. didn't kill my cat. <laughs> Nor can you prove that Louie and I did. <laughs> Nor can you prove time did. <laughs> did you have something to do with it? <laughs> you know your housemate. Um, so you, you do a lot of different skills too, which I found very interesting because, you know, we've interviewed a lot of aerial performers and they, they mainly focus on the aerial, but it looks like you do a lot of other stuff, juggling. Uh, Louis mentioned the, the bottle walking. Is that something that you also perform or is that just sort of like side, you know, fun or as a backup plan or, and I've seen a lot of pictures of you with a red nose doing some clowning. Is that something that you actively are part of your profession or? I would say that of the things that you're mentioning, it's kind of like passing obsession. So I got into bottle walking during the pandemic shutdown when, you know, most of our aerial community was grounded. And I don't really do that as much anymore. Sorry, let me specify. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Just because it was, it, and it never brought me as much joy as being in the air does. And then clowning, I... I love clowning. I think that, you know, anybody that does anything sort of like in the performance under the performance umbrella, you know, has an aspect of clowning to to them, whether they know it or not, or whether whether they'll admit it or not. And then what was the other thing? Oh, juggling, juggling is something that I do. I sometimes I'll take like a couple months break from juggling, but it's not because I don't like it. It's just because I get kind of like overwhelmed with other things to do. Yeah, juggling is something that I try to do to keep my, um, I don't know, your motor skills. I don't know, your hand eye coordination sharp because it's, uh, yeah. yeah, throwing things around your face. It's, <laughs> it keeps you sharp, <laughs> I think. Yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah. It's good to take breaks, though. Yeah. I, I'm a professional juggler, and I've taken about a 12-year break from juggling now. And... <laughs> so how did you end up in the Moisture Festival? So growing up in in the Seattle area, I've been aware of Moisture Festival, you know, since its inception, and I've been to a lot of the shows. So um, I'd seen the aerial acts there, and... A lot of my other community, my friends and family had also been exposed to Moisture Festival. So when I started doing aerial, a lot of times people would respond like, oh, like they do at Moisture Festival. And I'd be like, yeah, only I'm not there yet. You know, I'm, I'm not as good as them. And it was always this like, yeah, like that. But, you know, that's not me. So when I was seeking out performance opportunities after, you know, a little while of getting experience and refining my craft and like refining my act and costumes and, you know, lines and whatnot, um, it was really important to me that I get the opportunity to perform at Moisture Festival. It was on my gig wish list as one of the one of the things that I really, really wanted to do. 
And I think the first year that I auditioned or sent in my my promo or my demo or what I don't remember what the what the protocol was at that point, um, I I got rejected that year. And that was kind of a bummer because I still was brand new to applying to things. And, you know, the necessary evil of applying to things is getting rejection. And um, and then, you know, I applied the next year and was accepted and da 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 da. The rest is history. But um yeah, it was it was always a, a thing that was really important to my like Seattle brain to be a part of this like pillar in the arts community, you know, or the performing community. Do you remember the first week you did uh, who the other aerial act was? Because usually there's two. Yeah, Uh, I think it was Heidi and Jess from Bellingham. I'm pretty sure that was um, my other aerial cohorts for that day. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) What else is on your uh, your gig wish list? If you said, I didn't know that existed. What else is on there that you haven't achieved? Or maybe that ones that you were on there that you did achieve? Oh, that's because it changes all the time. Um, once you, you know, cross enough of them off, then you have to like start thinking of new ones. I haven't, I haven't created a gig wish list for this year. I know it's on I your previous one you can cross off is the Moisture Festival podcast. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> Moisture Festival podcast. I've I've had like festivals, like le- for instance, last year I really wanted to perform at the Imagine Fest, um, that happens on Orcas Island, and so I got to perform at the Imagine Festival. Um, for a long time, I always wanted to perform at the Pink Door, mm-hmm. and I've gotten to cross that one off my gig wish list. Nice. And then there's like, there's so many. Um, it it almost doesn't matter after you make the wish list. Like it's kind of nice to 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 do the thing and to cross it off your list. But like after a certain point, like you know you've created the thing and you're taking it out into the world. Like you book all these other shows that seem kind of ridiculous, like schlepping our aerial rig with the flying saucer all the way to you know who knows where in Canada, seven hour drive away. I'm like, it's like, oh, they want me at this festival that's like, you know, just an hour's drive away that I haven't thought about in a little while, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's nice. Cool. But it doesn't like loom quite as large in your brain anymore. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Definitely. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're putting yourself out there, you just have, or it's been my experience that I have all these other opportunities open up for me that like the things that you're obsessing about when you're just like a baby aerialist start to not kind of matter as much. And also you have to pay the bills too. Right. So it's like, okay, I gotta yeah. find, I gotta find work. Right. I gotta exactly. get out of the house where the person's killing my cat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Are there any uh, upcoming like projects or performances that you're excited about that you want to share with the fine listeners of our podcast? Well, I, I appreciate you asking, but I, I've i been kind of, uh, I spent a month goofing off in Barcelona. So my, um, my applications, my Q4 applications um, of last year were kind of like lacking. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not booked until April at this point. I, Barcelona, way, way, way better than gigs. And did you go <laughs> right. to any like circus shows out there? Do you connect with other aerial? Is it like, is there, what's, what's aerial like 
in other countries like that is is it as pronounced as it is in like the northwest um yes and no there's i think there's like more infrastructure for circus companies and um circus schools that that feed into certain companies than there is here in the pacific northwest um, when i was there i was doing a month-long intensive with a coach named Emiliano Ron. And so I was doing aerial rope five hours a day, five days a week for a month. And so that was something that isn't offered in this area. And, and, you know, maybe rightfully so it was kind of, <laughs> <intense>. <laughs> it was, uh, it was bananas. It was really. <laughs> so if people want to find uh, out about you they can find you at amyfunbuttons.com also amyfunbuttons on instagram uh mm -hmm. the discobells.com and am i missing anything else uh no i think that's it lots of youtube videos lots of stuff out there that people should check out if they have not seen you it's fantastic stuff so on your Instagram, you have all these cool costumes. Like, do you design those yourself? Do you make them yourself? Do you go to someone to make them? How's that all come about? Uh, yeah, at this point, I make most of my costumes. For most of the original acts that I'm coming up with now, I will make my own costumes. But in the past, I've had um, my costumes made for me or just kind of like pieced together different things um, and just added a ton of like rhinestones and sequins and feathers. But um, at this point I do make my own costumes. I also kind of like design like collections or series of costumes that are meant to kind of go together. <laughs> Was it a surprise to you? Like, because I think a lot of people, they think like, you know, you're a circus act, you practice all day. And that is like, practice is probably the least amount of thing that I do. I'm running a small business. And so I'm sending emails, I'm answering calls, I'm fixing stuff or making stuff. Was that a shock to you? Like how much time goes into just running a small business as opposed to, even though it is for an aerial act or an aerial performer? Yeah, it wasn't necessarily a shock how much time goes into running a small business. Cause I have seen, you know, people, people around me, um, you know, run their small businesses and it does like, it really consumes all of your free time. If you let it, I was kind of shocked at how much like admin work there was to do. Yeah. So I'm, I will let the creative part consume me where I'm creating the act, like working the steps and that's the training part. And then in the afternoons, just like playing with my sewing machine, playing with fabrics, manipulating sequins and feathers and rhinestones and all that stuff. But yeah, it, the admin part was definitely kind of surprising. Like there's lots yeah. of emails, there's lots of meetings, there's lots of um, sorting papers. And also one of my favorite parts of you know, running my own small business is the networking, which sometimes is just having coffee with a friend or doing an interview like this. But I basically just get to talk about what I do, which is kind of fun. And like we get to have ideas or compare ideas or just, you know, brainstorm things. So that's yeah. that's really fun. Like just get to show up and talk about art. I'm going to have my yeah, wife. Absolutely. I'm going to have my wife listen to this part because she's convinced when Matt and I hang out, we're not networking. Yeah, we're no, no, always no, no, no. <laughs> she's, convinced, yeah. she's convinced we're just drinking. 
Yeah. Right. We'll do yeah. all through that. We just have less <laughs> rhinestone can, and feathers. Right. You can network while, while you're having coffee. You can network in the hot exactly. tub. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then do you have any, this would be the last question. Do you have any advice for aspiring uh, performers, variety performers, or, you know, aerial acts or anybody who's out there who's trying to cut their teeth getting into this industry? Do you have any advice that you wish you had when you were coming into it? Just make the thing. Like, you don't have to worry about if it's stupid and you don't have to worry about if it's good or not. You just have to, like, make the work and then make the next thing and then make the next thing and then, like, you know, just keep going because if you get caught, like, in the in the loop of thinking about is this good or do people need to see this or, you know, does it read? Like, those are all nice questions to ask yourself, but I wouldn't get hung up on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I find that sometimes just it will block if you don't make it, it just blocks you from the next great idea. And just, you know, mm -hmm. in the process of making it, getting it out there and moving on is is will open you up to better stuff. So that's great advice. Well, thank you, Amy. We really appreciate this. Yeah. This was awesome. And we'll get down to, you know, who killed your cat. <laughs> we'll get on that. <laughs> Putting out a call. And uh, <laughs> we, we appreciate you. This was awesome. That's it for today, folks. Want to thank you so much for listening. If you want to check out more information like who's performing, how to volunteer, how to contribute, be sure to go to the Moisture Festival website, which is moisturefestival.org. If you like this podcast, you can check out the podcast that Matt and I do called the Odd and Off Beat Podcast. Yeah. You can get on all of the podcast places, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and where we talk about weird news stories of the day. It's a good time. Yeah. If you like this podcast, you will love that because it is all things weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that has links to my personal page and Louis Fox's personal page if you want to follow what we do individually. So we want to thank all of the performers, donors, sponsors, volunteers who play Put on the Moisture Festival. It really takes a village to make this thing happen. Absolutely. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to thank you in advance for coming out to the Moisture Festival. So be sure to check out the Moisture Festival's site. They also have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page to see how you can get involved and be a part of this year's or next year's Moisture Festival. We want to thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, and we hope to see you soon. See you later. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast and stay moist.